Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. everyone scott hansen here from nfl red zone i hope you're checking out one hour of five yard rush one of the best podcasts on nfl football in the uk hey hey rush nation we're back once again gracing your ear holes with our sultry tones once again murph and i are in the studio big man how you doing yeah really really good it's uh, still hot which is always good feels like I'm in Spain when we're recording this because of the weather or, or America or somewhere but you know let's take let's take the winds as they come absolutely how are you I'm good I'm good I'm enjoying the heat you know working outdoors means I can top up my outrageous farmer's tan come September my t-shirt lines are awful it's re- it's really bad <laughs> but we won't we won't get into that we'll leave that for the uh, tan line podcast so Murph has endured us, Rush Nation, to lots of Buccaneers chat over the last few months, and today is my chance to get him back. Um, not get him back, because today's guest is an absolute banger, but we're going to talk some blue and orange as opposed to the red of Raymond James Stadium. Today's guest, Rush Nation, is NFL analyst, Denver Broncos locked-on host, Cody Rourke. Cody, welcome to Five Yard Rush, man. How are you doing? I'm good, man. Thank you guys for having me on here when you guys reached out. I know we got a little bit of a time difference here, but, you know, it's always cool to hop on and talk football with anybody and everybody at the same time. So, yeah, definitely appreciate you guys uh, taking the time out of your schedule to have me on. Oh, no, mate, you're welcome. It's, it's, I've, uh, I've listened to your podcast for probably five months now. Uh, Murph pointed me in the direction of the Locked On series, and being a Broncos fan, I had to jump in. And we've 
we've got quite a catchy jingle that our podcast starts with and people are always saying oh we love your tune but i think yours could actually be better than ours <laughs> it, it's hard to really kind of find a, i'd say a tune that kind of summarizes the energy of your show i mean that's always the hard thing to do but uh you know we found something that's kind of catchy and it works for us and uh you know i i, I think we're gonna keep it the way it is right now we we're looking at maybe having somebody do kind of a tune for our show a little bit of an intro there but you know what Things cost money, and I'm at the point in my life right now where I don't want to be spending too much money on things that aren't necessarily too important at this point. No, I, I think you know it's it's nice to have something that distinguishes the start of a podcast and something that's a bit fun um, and something that people can resonate with. I think it's it's always good. Um, there's some podcasts that don't have music at the start, and that actually throws me more when I don't hear something. So it's always good, I think, uh, to to have something. Is this your your first time having to uh, you know sort of guesting across the pond on a on a British podcast? Uh, you know, I think yeah, it's my first time being on a British podcast. I know I did an episode um, of Locked On Broncos. I had a guest from Dublin, Ireland, on uh, a guy Colin Cronin. He's a he's a Broncos representative over there for Broncos Europe, and I, I tell you what, they do a great job over there. They get involved a lot, and they also trek over here to uh, Denver quite a bit to attend games once per year. So. Really kind of a cool thing. But, yeah, definitely my first time jumping on to a podcast over in the U.K. So appreciate you guys, uh, you know, kind of having me on. I always think it's awesome to reach everybody in the world because I, I really do believe that football, it, it is a worldwide sport. You got fans from all over. And the luxury, too, especially in London, I mean, people in London get the opportunity every year to see the NFL up close and personal, which I think is a cool experience for everybody because, you know, everyone's used to watching it on TV when you actually get the experience. It is nothing like being there in person. I tell you, what, being there in person is the best thing in the world, and, and I don't feel like there's anything quite like it, uh, you know, out there on a sports platform at all. Yeah, I mean, we're lucky that we get four games, let alone having one, and the atmosphere at the London games is good because it's just a massive conglomerate of fans supporting everybody, and there isn't it's not like if I was to come over to Denver or Murph was to go to Tampa where most fans would be supporting the home team. Everybody's supporting both sides. It's quite an unusual experience for us. It is. I think it is unusual, but I think what I see every year is I think that the game has evolved in terms of over here so much. So it used to be that people used to go and it was a day out. I think people now are going to really appreciate what they're seeing. The analysis is so much better. The the level of understanding of the game here, I think, is just so much better than it was 10, 12 years ago when the London game started. I mean, I remember going to the first London game and it just was, you go along and you'd be speaking to the person next to you and they didn't really understand fully what they were seeing. They just knew what they were seeing was entertaining, but they didn't understand, you know, uh, yards after catch or didn't understand some of the penalties going on. And now I think it's a much better sophistication of the game and the understanding of it. And I think now it's it's so much more fun. I think the atmosphere really reflects that as well now, whereas I don't think it did uh, 12 years ago. Absolutely. And, you know, I'd say environment. Also, it brings everybody together, which I think at the end of the day, sports and just getting everybody from every from whatever background, different diversity, getting everybody together and kind of having that that kind of same passion to cheer and to root for, I think is the most important thing in life today. I mean, yeah, we view sports as kind of a pillar of, of what we do worldwide, but I'd say ultimately it's it's us as people, as human beings coming together and kind of just supporting and cheering. I mean, it is a, I would say, a modern-day version of Gladiator, in a sense, when you watch combat sports and, and you watch football and these other sports. I mean, there's nothing quite like it, and definitely atmosphere, especially in London, always raucous. And, and my hope one day is actually to make a trip over there 
for a game. So next time the Broncos to London, if they ever get on that, that chance to do so once again, last time was against the 49ers several years ago, back when uh, Kyle Orton was the quarterback for the Broncos. That's a long time ago and brings back a lot of uh, weird memories, I know, for Broncos fans in general. But it will be nice to kind of be able to take a trip over there. And i got a bunch of buddies that are actually over there in London that uh, I need to see. So it gives me a perfect reason to travel. I think I think the Broncos are long overdue. I think it's been 2010 that you were last over? I believe so. I believe it was that 2010-2011 season. Yeah, that's too long. I think it's about time that... So maybe get on the phone to John Elway and tell him that he's got to give up a home game next season and, and do it over here. And it works as a two for one for, for you and for stocks. Sounds good to me. I'll let him know next time I see him. <laughs> well, and also Cody, if you do make it over, you know, hit us up on Twitter or whatever. and We'll, uh, we'll go out for a beer or something. Perfect. I love beer. But yeah, you had me there. <laughs> That's good. Cause I'm, I'm an ex publican. So I, the one thing I do know about is good beer. I can tell you the places that, probably aren't on the popular radar but serve some of the best beer in london to me down for that definitely i, I love kind of expanding my horizons a little bit you know we, we get the general brands here we get the coors light the bud light and all the other stuff it's always kind of nice to try different beers so definitely next time i'm out there i will definitely let you guys know we'll get together Amazing. sounds awesome so cody how did you start in media and, and talking about football for a living Oh, man. You know, that's a tough one. Um, So originally I was playing football. I was playing in a developmental league for the Grand Junction Gladiators, and I was a cornerback, and I've been on the team for probably about five years. And then I tore my ACL back in 2015 during a game. I was running down the field on kickoff, and I was the outside contain guy. And the returner, he was actually – he was going up the right sideline. Then he cut back, so I have to have the contain. I went to plant my foot and my knee just completely snapped. And, and I originally I thought I broke my leg, but you know, as I was rolling over on the ground, it kind of reset my knee reset. And then uh, I had this really sharp burning pain and, and I didn't know what quite what to do. And I didn't know exactly what it was, but I fear it was what I thought it was because there was a loud pop. And so I, you know, I tried to go back into the game and we were getting ready to go back on defense. I was getting ready to go back out. And then my adrenaline just wore off at that point. And, and I tell you what, I was in a lot of pain. So you know, I had to come back home and I had to go through physical therapy before I could have surgery. I had reconstructive surgery. And I tell you what, when you're used to being an athlete every single day, used to move and going to practice, doing things, and you can't do that anymore, you lose kind of part of who you are. And so for me, I sat in bed a lot for, for a couple of months. I mean, I couldn't, you know, my physical therapy was kind of rough. I, I had a lot of complications with my knee surgery in terms of my ability to bend my knee and to keep it straight. So I was looking at having another operation. I was just, I was really in a dark point. I was depressed. And one thing that got me through the entire, uh, I would say, darkness that I kind of went through during that time was I was listening to podcasts. I was listening to sports talk radio because I was in my bed the whole time. I couldn't do much. And during uh, physical therapy, I'd be listening to sports radio and podcasts. And so I was like, you know what? I, I got a lot on my mind. I want to start talking about sports. And so I started up the Coach's Corner podcast back in 2015 and you know, I had former Broncos safety, Nick Ferguson, good friend of mine. He was on the show and we, we had a lot of fun with that. But then uh, it, it was crazy just from that point, everything kind of took off. And I tell you what, it was almost like a snowball effect. The moment it kind of took off, it really took off. And then uh, I was reached out to by David Locke, who's the uh, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. He has a network, um, the Locked On NFL Network. He has the Locked On M- uh, NBA Network, Locked On MLB Network, and Locked On NCAA Network. And it's local experts covering every single team in the MLB, the NBA, the NFL. And, and he reached out to me to do the Broncos. And from that point forward, man, we've just been going for years. And uh, I, I tell you what, it's been fun. I've had the opportunity to go on uh, Orange and Blue 760 with 
you know, Steve Atwater, Andrew Mason, and uh, Ryan Edwards and other guys too. It's just, it's been a very, very fun experience kind of diving into media. And to be honest with you, if you asked me back in 2015, what I'd be doing, what I'm doing right now, I would have told you you're crazy, but uh, you know, I've been living the dream, man. And uh, I'm very, very fortunate uh, to kind of find kind of a new uh, kind of path for me, despite one option being taken away from me. That's so cool. I also did my ACL nowhere. Uh, you know, I didn't do it on the football field. I did it elsewhere, but I know what you mean, like dark places and stuff. So for you to be able to get something at the other side of it, it's wicked. I feel you there. So why Broncos? What, why are you a Broncos fan? So I was born in Colorado and my grandparents, when I was born, you know, they're huge Broncos fans. And, uh, you know, I'm a young guy. I'm relatively young. I'm 25 years old. I was born in 1994. And, you know, ever since I was young and, and we've got pictures of it, my grandparents would always buy me Broncos gear when I was a baby. And then by the time 1997 rolled around, I was about three years old. In 1998, I was four years old. And the Broncos won back-to-back Super Bowls there. I was always dressed up in Broncos gear. From that point, just being a kid, growing, I was born into being a Broncos fan. And, uh, you know, I think over the years, especially doing media, I've learned to change. I used to be very, like, you know, when I would say a teenager or my early 20s, I was, uh, I was very, I would say, reactionary to games, I think, as a lot of people are. You know, I, I'd have a lot of emotional investment in games. And when they didn't win, I was really grumpy for an entire week. And it kind of ruined my whole week. But now that I'm in the media thing, I've, I've learned to kind of separate my passion for the team. You know, at the end of the day, I root for the Broncos. I, I definitely like them, but I have a job to do. I always got to be professional. I got to be objective. And for me, you know, that, that's one thing I really find as the, the top priority for me and the podcast and, and for Broncos country, because there are a lot of people out there that just reactionary and they're, fi- you know, they fire off a lot of hot takes and they fire off a lot of emotional kind of statements and it's really unwarranted and, and fans want somebody that can be objective to the team and obviously reality at the same time and and so for me that's kind of what I pride myself on doing but you know I, I tell you what it's uh it, it's been a crazy crazy road and, and I can't even imagine where it's going to be in the next couple of years yeah I, well, I completely agree with how you're talking about the team and stuff and how it's objectionable because I think one of the things you do really well is sort of step back and attack it from a level playing field and the it's not reactional at all. And I think that was one of the things I enjoyed the most um, a few podcasts back when you were doing the uh, first sort of question one you did where people message in and stuff and they were talking about X, Y, and Z and you were explaining it in a way which came across from almost a team's point of view from it as opposed to a fan or somebody who was trying to explain it. And I thought that was, it was really useful for me anyway. And that's the goal at the end of the day. My, my goal is to include fans in everything that I do because, honestly, without fans, without listeners, the platform that I have is useless. It's meaningless without involving them. And, and so for me, I really like to do segments where we involve Broncos country, involve the NFL community, whether that's through mailbags, whether that's through our voicemail line where fans can actually call in and leave their thoughts on a voicemail, and we play it on the show and we react to it and, and kind of give them a voice on the show as well. Because at the end of the day, it's all about the fans. I mean, the players, they go out there, the sport for the fans. At the end of the day, the players go out there and they perform. You know, same thing with radio. Whatever I do in the show, it's all about the fans because at the end of the day, if I didn't have the fans listening, I mean, I'd be talking to myself, which, you know, sometimes I do that, but meaningful when you're in an audience and they can kind of connect with that and they can wrap onto that. And uh, I get a lot of responses from people who say, hey, you know, don't forget about us little people. And I, and I always kind of remind people like, hey, I'm just a normal human being. I, I just, I, I do this radio stuff and, uh, you know, I, I eat, you know, I drink water the same way that you guys probably do. And, uh, you know, I, I live my life, but, uh, you know, I like including everybody with me because it's a journey and I believe that everybody should be going along for the ride. I think it's the most important thing and kind of what we could do in life. I love that. I think that's so, 
it's so true. It's yeah, you know, it's really humbling for us. We've you know, Stocks and I have been together doing this for about nine or so months. Stocks mm-hmm. doing this before uh, before I joined on, and you know, we, we've had the opportunity to see people who you know listen to our podcast and uh, and we get comments through and and people just saying like we really like, really appreciate what you're doing and it, it's a real humbling experience to think that you know, you're in a studio, you're talking with your mate, um, having a chat about football, things that you love. And then half the time you forget that people are listening. And the other half the time you, you, you know, you really want to make it engaging and fun. And you actually kind of forget like how much of an impact it has and how much impact words have um, to invoke some sort of reaction and, and building that community. And I think that's what we, we've always tried to do is build a community and get people involved and, sort of spread the word of, of football and fantasy football here in the UK. And, and, you know, what you do with the community with, with Denver is just incredible. And, you know, you must have listeners all over the world tuning in and listening to you as their source of information for all things uh, Broncos, which I think is just, it's just such a powerful and awesome tool. And I think at the end of the day, that is the most important thing. And you guys do a phenomenal job too. I, I took some time to kind of research what you guys do and listen to a couple of your shows. You guys, you guys are awesome. And I tell you what, you guys are definitely going to help bridge that gap that maybe other people in the United Kingdom, you know, over the pond, they may not understand necessarily about the game. I think you guys do a great job connecting people to that and, and obviously bringing on guests that have information that can help create that knowledge even a little bit more and I, I think you guys do a great job but yeah I mean you guys have the, the right perspective in mind it, it's really all about kind of who who we're kind of talking to our, our audience is the most important thing in what we do and if I had any advice for anybody doing a podcast is always include everybody I mean even if even the people that disagree with your opinions I mean I got people to say oh man I don't agree with that and I'm like I perfectly agree with that that's fine okay I I love you the same you know discussion i mean everything disagreement doesn't have to cause conflict and, and that's where i think a lot of people go wrong is everybody has to some people operate under the assumption that my opinion is right and whatever you say doesn't matter it's it's okay to have different opinions and and i think that is uh, something that definitely in my opinion has to change in what we do in sports radio i think for a lot of people that do shows that's definitely one thing that has to change but i, I think diversity is good in all backgrounds could not agree more that's 100 percent hit the nail on the top of the head there i think we find that it's almost a family, don't we? That we, everybody we have interaction with and stuff is everybody in the business, all the people who listen to our podcast and stuff, they're all so friendly. And like you say, opinions matter one way or the other. But if you can have the conversation about it and then at the end of it, walk out friends again or disregarding what just happened almost, we're so blessed in the people that we've met and talked to and, and had conversations with us. And just to add to that, I think that having diverse opinions is what makes your perspective better. You know, I, I'm a pretty strong opinionated person who have, you know, I form my opinions, I do my research, but I'm always ready to be swayed the other way. And, you know, none of us are true experts in the sense of we've never played at the top level. We've never coached at the top level. We can sit here and throw fan opinions and, sideline opinions out we can have the best view in the game with the best intelligence and the best knowledge but we've never sat in the chair or or made the plays ourselves at that level so you're always going to be humbled in the sense of there's always someone out there with an opinion or, or facts that you might not be aware of and i think people should not be afraid of voicing a dissenting opinion it's just more about the way that you put it across but i think every analyst out there that i've ever met or ever spoken to is more than happy for the dissenting opinion because actually they almost want their opinions to be 
changed it because they might not have the full data set. And that's what I love about the fantasy football community. It's constantly challenging itself. And the data now is out there. And even in the NFL community, it's 50 times better than it was 10 years ago. And that's because of all these dissenting opinions and for, forcing through these, these difference of thinking and, and feelings and, and data. Absolutely agree with you there completely. So Cody, let's talk some Broncos country. 2019, what are your thoughts on the Broncos draft and off-season acquisitions? So when it comes to the NFL draft, I thought the Broncos, you know, I think two years in a row, 2018, 2019, they had really good drafts. If I had to give them a grade, an average would be probably an A all around the board for the last two drafts because last year's rookie class came in right away and nearly almost every single one of them contributed in, in one major way, shape, or form, whether it be offense, defense, or special teams. This year, I mean, you're going to see a lot of action too from some of these rookies as well. Noah Fant being a first-round pick for the Broncos at that point. Draymond Jones is also going to be another one. Dalton Reisner, your second-round pick, is going to play a lot. Drew Locke, you got to hope he doesn't play in 2019 because that wouldn't be good for the Broncos' long-term hopes if they throw him into the fire right away when he's not completely ready to be the franchise quarterback, to be the guy behind the helm for the Broncos. they got to take their time and do this one right. But even, you know, one guy I'm super excited about seeing is Justin Hollins from Oregon, a guy that i got to watch up close and personal, a guy that really stood out, John Elway, Matt Russell, when they went to the Oregon Ducks against the Washington Huskies game earlier this year to scout Justin Herbert, who they thought was going to declare. And if that were the case, I'm sure they would have done something to come up and get him a little bit earlier in the year. But they saw another Justin that stood out, and that was Justin Hollins, who played edge for them. He's really good at keeping contained, and also he's the project guy that Coach Fangio is turning into an inside backer hybrid as well to play inside linebacker because he is tall. He does have that 4-5 speed, but also they'll play him at edge because he's speedy around the edge. He can also do a good job keeping contained. I think he's going to be a guy – when he plays the edge, it's going to be probably a little bit more of an athletic version of what Shaquille Barrett was for the Broncos. And then you're going to see him move to inside backer in passing situations and, and his range and his ability to drop really quickly, I think is going to be a beneficial factor for what the Broncos want to do. But definitely, I think uh, the offseason additions are there. Obviously, Joe Flacco, one of the bigger offseason acquisitions too, upgrading a quarterback over Case Keenum. That's going to be a move to keep an eye on for the Broncos. And here's the expectation. Joe Flacco does not have to come into 2019 and, and light it up. And I, I always say that because it's so important. Everyone wants to think that, you know, he's got to come in. He's got to throw for 4,500 yards, 40 touchdowns, and 10 interceptions. He doesn't have to. All he's got to do, you have a very strong defense right now on paper. I mean, they were pretty decent last season. You have a running game that I'd say ideally that you had last year that was really effective. And you have, a, I think, in my opinion, on paper, a better offensive line right now than what the Broncos had last year. You have some question marks there, obviously, with some youth there. Garrett Bowles going into a new system, but you have the best offensive line coach in all of football. I would say the offseason acquisitions of Joe Flacco, obviously head coach Vic Fangio, but I'd say Mike Munchak is one of the most underrated big pickups from the Broncos offseason acquisitions this year. Yeah, I'm excited for uh, Royce Freeman this year after not – filling expectation last year. I think he's going to have a better year this year. Well, and I think the thing, too, with Royce Freeman, here's here's the deal. He, I mean, him and Philip Lindsay were having a phenomenal year. I mean, Royce Freeman ended up finishing the year with about 530-something yards. He missed several games. And, you know, when you have a high ankle sprain, I mean, it's tough. Those are, those are alongside turf toe for running backs. Ankle sprains and turf toes are very debilitating towards production. I, I really believe that if Royce Freeman didn't have that high ankle sprain, that I believe that both the Broncos would have had 2,000-yard rushers in Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. And, you know, we saw when Royce Freeman was gone, 
we saw when Emmanuel Sanders went down with the injury, NFL defenses knew that the Broncos really only option offensively was Phillip Lindsay, and they found ways to shut him down by really kind of pinching the edges, having that outside contain guy, and obviously guys just plugging the gap. You'd see a lot of man coverage because a lot of teams were not really worried about what Case Keenum could do with his arm, and he overshot a lot of guys, and he was very inconsistent in his uh, short to medium throws, as well as the deep ball. He overshot a lot of guys, but you know, they, they didn't view the Broncos as just this multi-dynamic offense. They viewed it as, okay, Philip Lindsay's the guy. we got to stop him. We can do that. We win the game. And, and surely enough, that's what the formula was late in the season for uh, opposing teams. I, I really loved your views on, on Flacco there. I think people are expecting Super Bowl winning quarterback Joe Flacco to come in and, and you know, he almost has to produce that that previous form to have been a worthwhile trade. But actually, I think for me – the one thing I'd want to see from Flacco is just to protect that football a little bit more. I think if he can cut down some of the INTs and end up the season with single-digit interceptions, which I think with the the you know he was cleaning them up quite nicely last year, he wasn't turning the ball over half as much as he was in previous years. And I think if he can get under ten or maybe a max of ten interceptions and can use the weapons with Fan and you know, what he's got out there in the flats, I think he can, that's all he's got to do is, is not lose you games because that, that D is so strong and Fangio is going to make it even more competitive and quick. And, you know, they've added a lot of speed this year. And I think that's, you know, you're not going to need Flacco to go out there and put more than 20 points on the board consistently to, to win football games. And I think that's the, the key thing he's got to do, protect that football, make it count when it, when it matters. And, just nurse a lead as opposed to uh, having to chase games. And I think he'll be the perfect guy to, to do that and far better equipped than, than Case Keenum to do that this year. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And here's the thing, too. If Joe Flacco could come in, like you said, reduce turnovers, if he can convert on third down and convert in the red zone, the Broncos are going to be good. If they can come away with points, whether that be three or whether that be seven, they're going to be in pretty good hands. And, and it's just got to protect the football. That's the number one key. Protect the football, control the game, control the tempo with your run game, with I, I, Royce Freeman being the primary running back and then Philip Lindsay coming in to gash defenses. I mean, that's the best formula that you can have for this Broncos offense. You don't want Philip Lindsay to get 25, 30 carries a game because, it, you know, I'd say durability becomes a huge issue. He is a smaller guy. You're going up against really, really big dudes. You want to have Royce Freeman to be that primary guy that gets the majority of the carries, but Philip Lindsay will still, in my opinion, have more snaps on the field because of his versatility coming out of the backfield as a receiver, which is going to increase this year with Joe Flack so you know despite him not probably not getting as many carries as Royce Freeman will get per game I think that Philip Lindsay will get overall more snaps on the field and you know it's going to be meaningful minutes for him whenever he touches the ball and I, I think that's what the Broncos really have to ride on this year yeah 100% agree with that so AFC West what do you make of the rest of their off seasons but the AFC West, in my opinion, you know, we have this year, we kind of have this thought and discussion almost every year where we feel like the AFC West might end up being the toughest division in all of sports. But I feel like heading into 2019, I feel like it could definitely be the toughest division in all of pro football this year because, you know, you got the Kansas City Chiefs who are running off the high of Patrick Mahomes and the Mahomes mania from last year. Can they obviously put together something? You know, what's the situation going to be with Tyreek Hill, who's going to meet with the NFL this week, and he could possibly be suspended, which based on the evidence, based on all the everything that's kind of been gathered, I mean, I would be very shocked if the NFL decided to just not suspend him. If they suspended him, 
then I think that's what, you know, the rightfully the right thing for them to do offensively. They're still going to be very, very good. Even if they don't have Tyree killed, they still have other weapons. And Nicole Hardman coming over from Georgia will be a guy that can fit that mold. If Tyree kill does miss time. And then you look at the Oakland Raiders too. The Oakland Raiders made some power moves this offseason. I mean, last year I, I, you know, I want to get your guys' opinion on this. There was a time last year at the beginning of the year, I think where we all felt like just watching the Raiders that John Gruden was intentionally sabotaging them. And I don't know if it was kind of like that whole thing with how things ended for them previously, but it almost felt like they were sabotaging things. And then when Reggie McKenzie and the general manager originally let go and fired and they brought in Mike Mayock, that to me is like, okay, this is John Gruden's team. He is taking over. He's got that 10-year, $100 million contract, and he is completely cleaning house. I mean, they sent the scouts home right before the NFL draft. They were not going to have any involvement in what they did with their uh, first three-round uh, the three first round picks that they had in the NFL draft and they go out and they get obviously Antonio Brown, a very, very talented receiver who's going to be a a problem in the AFC West. He's going to be a problem for the NFL because he is a matchup guy. Can they keep Derek Carr upright? I mean, they got Trent Brown from the New England Patriots. He's a guy that's going to be tasked with the responsibility of keeping Derek Carr safe and not as impacted by pass rush. I mean, in the AFC West, you have Melvin Ingram, Joey Bosa, Von Miller, Bradley Chubb. You have other guys. You have pass rushers in this entire division, and you got to find a way to keep your quarterback safe as well as obviously getting a, a running back, Josh Jacobs, a guy that's going to help out. Obviously, Isaiah Crowell tearing his Achilles was a big blow for them this offseason in the OTA kind of portion of the conditioning camp there. But, yeah, Josh Jacobs is going to have a big responsibility as well. And, obviously, you've got Tyrell Williams coming over from the Chargers, another receiving threat for Derek Carr. And I tell you what, right now on paper, their offense does look a little bit scary. It's going to be interesting to see how the Broncos can possibly neutralize that threat with their defense. And then you got to take a look at the Chargers, too, the AFC West. I mean, Phillip Rivers, anytime I think you have Phillip Rivers on your team right now, you have a chance. You have Melvin Gordon, you have Austin Eckler, you have Keenan Allen. You have some very talented guys there. You're getting Hunter Henry back from a torn ACL. And you have a very good defense down there. Casey Hayward, obviously, a cornerback, and Derwin James, who was an absolute stud as a rookie last season. The AFC West, I tell you what, it is going to be a tough, tough, grinded-out division this year. And and we could see possibly three teams, in my opinion. We could possibly see three teams, based on how the rest of the NFL goes, competing for a playoff spot towards the end of the year. So, I mean, the hope for the Broncos is to get back there. But I tell you what, with the second-toughest schedule uh, in the league compared to Oakland having the toughest schedule in the league, period, it's going to be really interesting to see the battle that all these teams have to kind of compete and win that AFC West crown. That's interesting. I think going back to Oakland a little bit, I think John Gruden, I, you know, I, I watched John Gruden for a large number of years in Tampa and he's a very complicated guy. I don't think he went out there with the intention of losing games in the sense of, I don't think he was deliberately tanking. I think you could see that at the end of the season when, where they were in the position to get the one seed and effectively blew that by winning a couple of games late on. I just think he got there and he didn't like the situation he was in. And I think he just made, as John Gruden does, power moves. I think he set his stall out early. Trading Mac was clearly his idea. He's like, I, I don't really want to lose Mac, but I'd rather get the picks in to build my team. His offenses are so complex you know he has to have a certain type of guy a highly intelligent highly diverse guy who is going to come in and play in his schemes so he wants people that can run the entire root trees he wants people that are going to come in and lead from example he wants high character 
uh, intensity guys. He doesn't want, he hates it more than anything when guys take plays off. Like that's the sort of thing. If he sees that he yanks you for the game. Like he just doesn't care. Um, he has his way and that is it. And he will ruffle feathers with anybody because he doesn't care. He doesn't care if people have a problem. He sees himself as the coach and he's the one that designs everything. That's why he sent scouts home. And I think, I still don't think they're going to get there this year. I think they'll be heavily improved, but I still think with two, they've made, they've made so many changes they needed to make. I still think they're a year away from putting it all together. I still think you'll see flashes of it this year, but I think they're going to lose some games from winning positions because they're not going to be able to hold on or make the plays when it matters consistently to hit the playoffs. But I do think they vastly improve and maybe get to say something like seven wins. I can see that. I can definitely see that. And uh, it does take time. And, and also, I want to take the kind of same perspective you used there and apply it to the Broncos. I, I, despite the moves that they have made this season, I really do believe that, you know, they could experience some growing pains. I mean, it's a new coaching staff. The coaching staff is doing a great job so far, but I've really encouraged Broncos fans to kind of be patient with this process. You can't expect a quick turnaround right away from six and 10 to go obviously 11 and five or 12 and four, or even 14 and two for that matter. You can't have that expectation right away because there is still a process. The Broncos are undergoing a complete culture change right now. And you know what we see periodically throughout the year, anytime there's a year of culture change, you're going to see a little bit you're going to see guys that maybe kind of fight against it you're going to see guys that embrace it and you know you got a lot of guys playing in a contract year this year for the Broncos so I think ultimately Broncos fans should have the same approach if it doesn't happen right away in 2019 where you see instant success you can't hang your head you got to hope that okay you, you, you want to build from like two to three years down the road from now. You know, what you do right now, you're building towards something special. And we've seen NFL teams have success doing that. And I think the Broncos, if they took that same approach, I wouldn't be mad. You're going to go through growing pains. And, and I think it's going to be the best way this team possibly gets back on track to competing for championships. I completely agree. And I think what the, the other piece that kind of hasn't really been sort of put together for this is the Chiefs are kind of built with the the pieces they've got, the franchise quarterback who is young and dynamic and coming off an MVP year with some of the offensive weapons they have, with the offensive coach they have. They're a team that are built to last. They'll need to make some adjustments. They might take some small dips, but they're not going to be a team that are going to fall off and be a, a three-win team anytime soon. The one thing I'd say about the Chargers is I think they're getting very close to potentially that point where they've got to go through a big rebuild. And I think the Chargers are almost in that all-in territory where I think this is the year for the Chargers. They've got to make a big push. Philip is not going to keep going at the rate he's going. They have some, some great weapons, but Ingram, sorry, Melvin Gordon's got, you know, more and more wear and tear on those tires. And I think he's going to not last beyond the next couple of years. Keenan Allen picks up injuries. And again, I think the older he gets, that is going to cause some problems. And I think that offense is only a couple of years away from having to be rebuilt entirely with a new QB, with a new running back. And I think that's when I see the biggest opportunity for the Broncos. I think it's like you say, I think this year's a growing year. I think if you get to eight wins, I think that's a, a good season. As long as there's progression, you can see it moving, maybe get locked some snaps there towards the end of the season, get Noah Fant, who I think is for me personally, the best tight end I've seen come out of college in the last, you know, seven, eight years. I'm really excited for what he's going to do. I rave about him on this podcast all the time. So the stocks, I think he is a potentially a generational talent and so excited to watch 
what he's going to do potentially with Drew Locke, um, but especially this season with Flacco. I think it's it's a good time to be a Broncos fan, but I think it's it's a year away, and I think the it's the Chargers that they will effectively dethrone and and be the ones challenging the the Chiefs for the uh, the divisional crown in the next sort of two to three years. Absolutely. So, Cody, you mentioned on Tuesday's show that you absolutely hate making projections um, and <laughs> So I'm going to ask you for one right now. Who do you think wins the Super Bowl this year? Oh, man. You know, that's a tough question. Uh, you know, we, we see every year, we see the Patriots kind of go through the motions a little bit in the regular season. And you, they're just when you think that, okay, hey, you know what? This may be the year they don't make it. They find a way to get into the postseason. Anytime they get into the postseason – they make things happen. I mean, they're a very well-coached team. They're very disciplined. And I think ultimately year in and year out, even if they don't have the greatest defense or even the best offensive production at times, they step up in the postseason where everything really does matter. Once you get in, everything that you do really does matter because you lose, you're out. You know, I think it's going to be really tough for me personally. I think that when I'm looking at the NFC and I'm looking at the AFC in general, I think the teams that are still going to be in the playoffs and you're going to see the Chiefs again, based on just kind of where they were at last year, the firepower that they have and, and Mahomes, I mean, could we see him regress a little bit? I mean, that's the hope, I think, for everybody in the NFL. They hope that he can regress a little bit because he did put up ridiculous numbers, essentially his rookie season. Um, but, you know, I think ultimately, I think the Patriots right now on, on paper are the favorite. I think every year they go in as the favorite. I do think – and I hate to say this because, you know, I do cover the Broncos, but I got to be objective here. I got to be completely objective. And I think that the Chargers are a team that could be getting close to obviously getting back and obviously competing. I think the Saints with Drew Brees, I still think they have a lot of kind of bad blood with how things ended last year. They're going to be very motivated in the NFC. I think the Panthers may be a team that rises in the NFC again, uh, coming back from that 2015 season where, you know, they, they had a phenomenal year, 15-1, and one, and then Von Miller dethrones everybody there. But uh, I, I think that the Panthers, the, the Saints, I think um, also, you know, I'm, I'm going to be intrigued to see how the Rams possibly do. Maybe this might be the year that the Packers maybe get back on track. Obviously, ah, it's just so tough to kind of predict the favorite. But I say right now the favorite based on of just what they've accomplished in this dynasty that they've had so far. The Patriots are always the favorite early in June and heading into July, heading into the season as the favorites to go back to the Super Bowl. Yeah. I, I can agree. <laughs> I, I can uh, just in June, July, I can't ever bet against the Patriots. People ask me, who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl this year? I always say the Patriots because they're the champs. And until someone dethrones them, you know, yep. it, and, and they're the only team right now for me out of all 32 teams that are an absolute lock for the playoffs. And I know it's just a silly thing to say and TB12 could go down or whatever, but I just think even if that happens, I just think that division as a contest is so poor. I think they're the only team I can look at and say they're going to be playing in in December or in January. Absolutely, no doubt, because I, I think even with backup QBs or whatever, they're, they're always going to have enough because there just isn't enough competition in that division yet. So, Cody, let's talk some fantasy football. We are a fantasy football podcast. Do you play fantasy football? Uh, you know what? I try to every year. Here's my deal, and, and it's complicated. I, I love fantasy football. You know, I wasted a lot of money also on FanDuel and DraftKings over the years. That uh, It's kind of ruined my taste there. But obviously, you got the ESPN, you got Yahoo, you got some other, you got NFL.com. I, uh, I'm looking to get back into fantasy football this year. 
I, the reason I kind of stopped getting into it, I have a very busy schedule. My days usually go from about 4 a.m. to 10.30 p.m. every day, Monday through Sunday. Once uh, kind of football season starts, come August, that's my schedule all the way up until about January, February. And it's rough to kind of be able to go in and modify the lineups, especially when you're on the road. You're always traveling and you're always doing something. And I coach a lot, too, so I'm also coaching football. So it really does take away my time, my ability to be able to do that. But a couple of my football players have actually presented to me being in one of their fantasy football leagues. And I told them, you know, if you want me to take all your money, I definitely will do that for you. So I'm probably going to make the jump back into it again. I was in a league a couple of years ago and I started off three and O and then the commissioner of the league had changed the settings, the scoring settings, and it changed all of the score settings from the previous weeks. And so in those games, I ended up losing because there was a couple point differential there. And for me, I was like, wow, you know what? This is pretty corrupt. I'm not very in the mood for it. It kind of killed my desire to do fantasy football, especially because I put $200 into the pot at the end of the year for that. So uh, I'm looking to make the jump back in, but uh, fantasy football is so important. I mean, you know, with all my high school kids, they're always talking about it. They're always involved in fantasy sports. The guys over predominantly orange and I'm good friends with everybody in the NFL. We have a pool together that, you know, they're always interested in fantasy football. And even my coaches back home from when I was playing football, uh, we always try to do fantasy football every year. So I'm looking to make the jump back in, but uh, it's always fun. Yeah. Well, we love it, which is why we started a podcast talking about it. But <laughs> You should definitely get back in. It's it well for me and Murph and probably quite a lot of the people in Britain playing. It adds a different dimension to Sundays, and especially if you don't support a team, it means you can watch all the games. And if you do support a team, it also gives you a reason to watch all the other games as well because you've got players invested everywhere. Yeah, you really do, and it, it that, that's the hard thing too. You know because this is another scenario where you have to be really objective and everything because so many people would just try to draft the players on their, on their favorite team and, and try to go with them. And that's not going to be a good case. I mean, the one year I did that Peyton Manning threw for 55 touchdowns. I got lucky. I won a lot of games simply just because Peyton Manning was being Peyton Manning that year. But uh, ultimately I think the diversity across the board is really good and you really have to pick your matchups really well. And, and sometimes you might have a receiver, for example, you know, when I look at Keenan Allen against the Broncos, in my opinion, I'm thinking, okay, well, I might start him against Denver, even though, you know, I don't want him to have a good game because if he has a good game, it can mean the Broncos possibly lose. But, you know, for me, I think at the end of the day, if I'm trying to win my money, you know, I got to go with the best lineup, the best players got to play. And, uh, you know, that's the way it's got to go. Yeah, I agree. I think it's so much easier when you're like me, you support a team that hasn't made the postseason in over 10 years and I've only had one winning record in that time. So it gives me something else to root for when I'm expecting the Buccaneers to pick up another L somewhere. So, <laughs> so Cody, you're an insider at Broncos. Do you think any of the Broncos players are going to have a really good fantasy season? You know, a guy to keep an eye on. I think uh, two guys, obviously, I think uh, uh, Prime's on early favorite for a lot of draft leagues, for a lot of fantasy leagues. I think for the Broncos, you got to obviously look at Philip Lindsay firsthand. I think he's going to be a guy that a lot of people are going to want to pick up in their leagues as a utility guy. But I think Cortland Sutton is also going to be a guy, in my opinion, I think he's going to have a breakout year and be a fantasy football guy. And maybe an under-the-radar type guy, maybe keep an eye on as a sleeper pickup for you guys, would be Deshaun Hamilton, who's really primed. I mean, he's had a very, very impressive, of mini camp and you know for the Broncos this offseason he's looking really good his route running is ridiculously good he was a little bit banged up last year with an MCL sprain after he got hit on a punt return right in the knee on a fair catch 
I believe it was the Chiefs game that that happened, and, and that derailed him a little bit, but he definitely showed a lot of promise towards the end of the year, stepping up, making some big catches in traffic, converting on third down, obviously being a guy that caught a couple touchdowns. But uh, I would say for the offensive side of the ball, I'm looking at Cortland Sutton, Philip Lindsay, and Deshaun Hamilton to be guys that maybe are the most picked-up players uh, that are on the Broncos roster offensively. And then what about a couple of uh, maybe linebackers or safeties that you can recommend for IDP lineups? Oh, so I would go with uh, divisional rival, obviously the Chargers. I would go with Derwin James as a pickup for you guys defensively for a safety. I mean, this is a guy that was everywhere on the field last year. He's really d- doing a lot. I mean, he's a complete hybrid. He's a guy that'll play back in coverage. He'll come up in the run. He'll blitz the quarterback. I mean, there's a lot of things that, you know, he's really good at as a rookie heading into his second year in the NFL. I think Derwin James is going to be one of the best IEP pickups uh, in the NFL for a lot of players. And I'm also kind of trying to take a look across the board too. If I can think about a linebacker, I still think that maybe Roquan Smith in Chicago. I I don't know exactly how it may pan out because Coach Fangio did make a, a really big difference in Chicago for that entire defense. Uh, I, I'm eager to see how Chuck Pagano kind of utilizes those same guys and even some new additions that they have in comparison to what Coach Fangio did because, you know, he's definitely a very talented player, Roquan Smith is, but he's a guy to keep an eye on. Um, you know, I think in terms of pass rushery, I mean, you, you can never go wrong by betting on Von Miller. I mean, Von Miller year in and year out has consistently proven outside of that year he tore his ACL. He, you know, he, he could have, he would have had 10 sacks in a row every single season of his career, except that one year. So, I mean, he's been putting up tremendous numbers and, you know, I don't think he's going to slow down and, and in coach Fangio's defense, I think he can really have a really big season for him. But if I had to go for a true guy, just the end of the guy that can do everything, it would be Derwin James. It's a sore subject for me. Thanks, Cody. Appreciate that. <laughs> I'm still gutted that we didn't take him at 13 last year and went with Vita Vea. And you know what? It It's rough. It's it's really rough because even the Raiders had a chance to take him and they completely passed on him too and they got a freaking offensive lineman. Oh. Yeah, I, I, 17 was just the steal of last year's draft. There's just no way that he should have. He's no way. I, even with all the quarterbacks, like, there's just no way he should have made it to 17. He's an unbelievable talent and I think he is definitely a future uh, defensive MVP in the making. If he doesn't do it this year, I definitely expect him to do it in the next two to three years. Yeah, I agree. So, Cody, reporting on the Broncos, what's it like focusing on one team and and do you get to go to press conferences, team events, stuff like that? You know, it's fun. It's fun being able to cover one team. I try to, I've transitioned a little bit. Obviously, I do the Broncos every single day on the Locked On Broncos podcast, but I also do kind of my own stuff too, CodyWorkNFL.com. I do video features where I talk about the entire NFL. I, I like giving my, my spin on everything across the entire NFL, but uh, it, it's fun. And, you know, I think, especially at training camp, even being able to go to the press conferences, asking questions and, and getting answers out of players and obviously coaches, I think that's a really fun thing to be around and and I look forward to continuing to do that I mean it's definitely it's a huge huge climb and uh, you know you definitely I'd say the first time you interview somebody or you ask a question you know you're trying to kind of figure out what you want to ask based on what other people haven't asked yet and usually sometimes that's the hardest thing because you know if you ever see a media press conference you have a lot of people there, a lot of media members there, and everyone's trying to get their first question in. So I would say that's probably the the fun thing about it at first when you're first trying to do all that stuff and you find a way to get your question and you, you get more confidence asking those questions. But really the key is picking off of what people haven't really asked about yet. 
things that kind of stand out to you? And I think a lot of that comes from the observation of practice and, and seeing certain things. You know, last year I was at training camp and, uh, you know, I, my, my time came to ask Vance Joseph a question. One of the things that nobody asked because I'm a football guy, everyone asks these generic questions a lot of times, but I asked Vance Joseph the question, you know, when taking a look at the, at the running backs too, especially, you know, you have Royce Freeman, you have Philip Blues, you have Devontae Booker, you have all these running backs in here. In terms of obviously what they're being able to do, run the ball, find, you know, find a lane, having good vision, how have they been in pass protection, which is the, one of the biggest things in the NFL for running backs. you got to be able to pass pro on certain situations. And, uh, you know, that was a question that not a lot of people answer. And, and you could tell definitely based on Joseph's answer, besides the fact that, you know, we had a good practice, you know, I think ultimately at the end of the day, uh, those are the questions I think that the coaches really do like answering stuff that they can relate to rather than just like speculation questions that, you know, a lot of media members do create. Yeah, definitely. I think that's why, you know, I'd love to do your job for like a day and go to go to the team facilities and be able to ask those questions because I think, I don't know, from my experience, having watched press conferences, when you get the quote-unquote national media who go in, they want to know about the headline of the week, the story of the week, whatever that might be. And I think it goes less away from what's going on on the field, although there might be some like generic field headlines. Whereas I think the questions you mentioned, I think you get a more forthright answer and you get more more insight, I think. And I think that's that's what I really like. But what would you say is the hardest thing about that in terms of going in and, and having to go to these press conferences other than maybe coming up with the different questions. What, what's the most difficult thing when you're in a room full of all these writers and the national headlines and the national uh, quote unquote storylines playing out to try and cut through that? Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, it's definitely something that we see a lot of, and I feel like, the media can be lazy in a lot of regards from that, but uh, you know, you, you have, there's a lot of great journalists out there. A lot of media members that do get in really good questions. And I think a lot of times too, is just finding that right balance in, in terms of asking maybe what's appropriate. I mean, you hear all the time, you know, a lot of media members ask questions that, you know, a team can't really comment on right now. And so it's just kind of stuff that kind of stirs the pot a little bit. I think you got to avoid that. Yeah. Here's, a question I've got to ask is about injuries. So, People tend to ask about the injury reports and is this player injured? And you tend to get quite vanilla answers because they don't want to give the game away. How do you read that situation or report that situation when you're talking about it? You know, it's really tough. You know, I, one of the general practice kind of guidelines is we have in the media is not to speculate on what an injury may be. I mean, you know, I'll give you an example. Let's say we're watching a game and, and let's say player A goes down and he's grasping at his knee. What we are permitted to say in the media is, you know, this player appears to be, you know, he, he's grabbing his left knee, you know, could, you know, who knows what's going on. Hopefully he's, you know, hopefully he'll, he'll be okay. It looks like he maybe hyperextended it or something like that. We can report on that, but we can't, come out and say, oh, you know, maybe he, you know, it could be possible he tore his ACL or, you know, maybe tore his meniscus or broke his leg. I mean, things like that, we're not really permitted to kind of tweet about or kind of analyze. So I say the the one thing that we get kind of the green light on is after the game. And the first thing that uh, coaches do is their, their first announcement on a press conference is to go over the injury report. And they'll say, uh, you know, this play, player A had a knee injury, did not return. We'll get an MRI. Those are things that we can kind of report on a little bit. And uh, our, our main thing is saying, okay, at that point when a player does go down with an injury, 
what we could kind of talk about is what will the team, you know, what will it look like? Who will step up if this player can't go next week? You know, those are the kind of things that we have to approach in terms of the thing because you get into a lot of uh, kind of shady areas with HIPAA laws and, and all these other laws that kind of protect the athletes and their status and health and everything like that. It's not always wise for us to speculate on because it could cause a lot of issues and, and it's something I think that we don't want to do as media. Absolutely. Our final question, we should finish on a highlight, Cody. What do you think your highlight to date of, of your career so far is? You know what? I, I, I feel like the, the one thing that I've kind of taken pride on in terms of my media career is, you know, being able to reach out and have Broncos players that listen to the podcast and, and Broncos players that say, you know, hey, you do a good job. And, you know, when we, during the regular season, we always have Broncos safety Will Parks on. He's got his own segment called Keeping It Will. And I tell you what, Will Parks is one of the funnest dudes I've ever interviewed um, as a player, just a genuinely laid back guy, really caring, does a lot for his community, does a lot for a lot of people and doesn't ask for anything in return. And, and that's one thing I really appreciate about Will is he's just, he's a fun dude to just talk football with and kind of getting that recognition from some major media members in Denver, as well as also Broncos players, you know, that, that to me is a huge thing for me. And it just goes to further solidify why I do what I do. But I would say the end of the day, it, it's all about the audience. Like I said, I'm going to go back to that. The audience and, and having fans that, that come out, that, that reach out to me. You know, I just uh, took a little two-week break because I had some family stuff come up. It was pretty serious. And, and the outpouring of just support from people in Broncos country and Twitter and the NFL community was absolutely just very positively overwhelming um, because it just says that, you know, people do – have that trust in me and they come to me for a lot of things and and they love interacting with me which to me at the end of the day that's why i do this and i wouldn't change a single thing i think that we're as a community really lucky like you mentioned and i think the more people get behind each other the greater the relationships become in the community so i think to be part of it we're we're blessed like you said yeah and and i think anybody that absolutely yeah I think anybody that has the opportunity to to listen to you and, and listens to your podcast and hopefully Broncos fans who are listening to this or even non-Broncos fans, I think it's always good to listen into uh, other teams. Uh, and I think that's what I like about the Locked On podcast, but you give such great insight into what's going on with the team. And as you mentioned, it's quite balanced. And But I think it's just it's just honest. And I think that's what I really like about what you do is it just comes across as a fan with a fan's opinion, but it's, it's very honest feedback and it's going to mean that anybody who wants to, to listen in is going to get a, a really fair representation of, of what you do and, and, and what's going on in Broncos country, which I just think is, is an amazing thing. So it's, it's great that, you know, you do what you do and you're so good at what you do. I absolutely appreciate that. And you guys keep up doing the same thing that you guys are doing. Keep getting everybody involved. I mean, it's a huge thing. And, uh, you know, you can tell you guys are passionate about what you guys do. And I'd say if I had to give any kind of closing advice for anybody that may be interested in talking about football, maybe talking about soccer, whatever their sport, whatever their passion is, it doesn't have to be all sports. It can be about life. Just be you. Like that's the number one thing I always tell people that try to get into radio or podcasting. Like don't, don't develop a personality that's just a radio. I mean, be you 110% authentically through in and throughout. That way, if somebody sees you in public and you meet them, I mean, they're getting the same exact person that they're getting on the microphone. That is the number one thing. So many people try to be somebody that they're not on a microphone. And, and you know, usually when I, when I listen to a podcast or I listen to a show or I hear an interview from somebody, I can usually tell in the first kind of maybe 10 seconds whether or not a person is who they kind of portray themselves to be. So just the number one advice I have is, be yourself, be passionate, and, you know, be unapologetically you. That's what we strive for. Great advice. And yeah, amazing. 
Yeah. So, Cody, the uh, time's come for you to plug yourself. Let Rush Nation know where they can find you, your podcast, where you're on Twitter, website, whatever you fancy. Yeah, absolutely. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Cody Rourke NFL. You guys can also check out CodyRourkeNFL.com. You have complete access to every episode of Locked On Broncos podcast over there, as well as video content that we're going to do every single week once the NFL season starts over there, CodyRourkeNFL.com on Cody Rourke TV. Also on Twitter at Locked On Broncos. And, you know, if you ever want to get in the discussion, just shoot me a message, shoot me a DM or shoot me a tweet and uh, get in the conversation. That's the number one thing we like to include everybody in there. And, uh, Whoever's listening, wherever you're at in the world right now, we definitely uh, will get you involved somehow, and uh, I look forward to hearing from you guys. Well, I'm going to strive to get myself on the podcast. I've decided I'm going to come up with an absolute brilliant question and uh, get your answer on, on, on the podcast. Perfect. Sounds good to me. I look forward to answering it. Brilliant. Well, I will see you real soon. Cody, this has been an absolute pleasure. We will talk soon. But as always, Rush Nation, don't forget, keep rushing. entitled to sexual health just as much as physical and mental health we want to make it easier for folks to find resources however they engage with us there's no wrong door so it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming talking about what their sex life is about their concerns and to make sure they're healthy do it for them do it for you montgomery county your sexual health matters visit doitforyoumc.org Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.